Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome back to the Dental Marketer Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Arias. And in this episode, I'm speaking with Colin Carr. But before we get into the episode, I just want to let you know that today's podcast episode is sponsored by CareStack. Now, CareStack is a complete dental practice management cloud software. So you can now bring your practice management software everywhere with you. No more having to go to the office to check your schedule, make adjustments, look up data. No, none of that. This can all be done in the palm of your hand. And CareStack also eliminates all those extra subscriptions you have. So CareStack will simplify your practice, your work, and your life. You'll move away from the complexities of using multiple software and manage everything you need through one modern cloud dental software. And guys, that's the future. Cloud practice management software is the future. So this will help you gain more time to focus on what matters most, which is your staff, patients, and your life. CareStack will, number one, elevate your care, your patient experience, and relationships with your patients. Uh, Dr. Brenda, she, by the way, was a guest on the podcast. She was episode 372. She said, with CareStack, it wasn't about switching to another dental software, but adopting the technology that has enabled us to reimagine patient experience and connect to our patients like never before. Number two, CareStack will streamline your billing collections and profits. Dr. Baines from Element Dental says, CareStack has become our super RCM specialist. After switching to the cloud-based software, we have seen a 30% increase in collections without even having to add a single person to the team. So you're going to get total visibility into the financial performance while enabling uh, your billing team to collect more. Faster, they're going to be also collecting faster with less administrative work. And three, CareStack is especially made for those who have or plan to have multiple practices. So as you add multiple locations, you'll be able to centralize your operations to decrease the overhead per office and improve the profitability of your multiple practices. CareStack will ensure consistent performance and reduce overheads by centralizing workflows and automating operational tasks. So there's no point in getting Dentrix for one office and then Dentrix again for your second office. No, just get CareStack. All your offices will be able to be covered. So guys, I can keep talking about how great CareStack is, but see it for yourself. They are giving all of our listeners a free 10-day trial. Just go to lp.carestack.org forward slash the dental marketer. Again, that's lp.carestack.org forward slash the dental marketer. Or you can just go in the show notes below and it's the first link in the show notes below and you'll get a free 10-day trial and you'll also get 10% off your annual subscription plus 50% off your setup fee. So go in the show notes below and check it out. All right, let's get into this episode. Same thing in commercial real estate. If you're a doctor and you show up to a property or you're doing a lease renewal and you show up by yourself, the listing agent gets a double commission or the landlord just pockets that money. They're not going to give it back to you. They don't pay commissions to unlicensed tenants. That, does, that doesn't happen. So if you're a doctor and you say, you know what, I'm going to save some money today. I'm going to go do my own real estate transaction. The problem is you're not on the selling side. If you are the selling side, you can decide to do a for sale by owner or a for lease by owner and only pay one commission to the outside, but you're not determining commissions as a buyer or a tenant, the landlord or the seller. So a lot of doctors show up to properties or call them properties and say, I'm going to do it all by myself and I'm going to save money. Again, the landlord's laughing all the way to the bank. The listing broker gets a double commission. So landlord gets a way better deal because you don't know what you're doing. Listing broker gets a double commission. They get paid twice. And then meanwhile, you think you saved money and you just lost a ton of money. He 
is the founder and CEO of Car Realty. Uh, maybe a lot of you might have heard of that. Car Healthcare, it's C-A-R-R, healthcare, right? Uh, but in this episode, we specifically talk about the importance of educating and protecting um, a lot of these healthcare providers in commercial real estate, right? Specifically, we dive into lease negotiations, renewing your lease, things like that, uh, stuff that you need to know and figure out. So this is really important if you are maybe a startup, you're looking to renew your lease, maybe you've already had a practice and you want another, like, you know, you're trying to find another location, you're looking for a specific space. This episode is fantastic for you. Uh, we kind of talk about his past, present, how he got to where he is today. And then we dive into the meat and potatoes of this episode. We talk about how you can tell who's the best commercial broker, how you should interview a broker. We kind of dive into pretty hardcore about landlords, right? Uh, what's their real motive? I know a lot of us like to think like our landlords are on our side. And some of us think, hey, I mean, I know I'm talking to a lot of you right now where you're like, no, Michael, my landlord is not on my side at all. Like, he hates me. <laughs> and so we kind of dive into the topic and the mindset of a landlord in here and how we can kind of navigate towards getting the best type of lease from them. And then we also discuss uh, lease renewals. And this is where apparently doctors lose the most money. And so he discusses with us exactly how you should be approaching your lease renewal and then we also talk about the top mistakes people make with negotiating leases. And then we also discuss how much it costs to hire an expert commercial real estate agent, how much is really on the line in a healthcare real estate negotiation. We discuss how do you choose between purchasing or leasing your office space? How can healthcare providers save at least $100,000 or more on their next lease renewal? And we discuss this and so much more. So guys, without further delay, here is Colin Carr. Colin, how's it going, man? It's going great. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Thanks for asking. It's uh, it's interesting to have you on, man, because I've had a lot of guests in the past say like, oh yeah, I've used car real estate, right? Uh, realty. And then um, I never knew it actually came from someone's name. Yep. It's my last name. I uh, lacked I lacked creativity when I started the company about 13 <laughs> years ago. So I just picked my last name and ran with it. And now it's, it's huge, man. So talk to us a little bit about that. Tell us a little bit about your past, your present. How'd you get to where you are today? Yeah, uh, I'll, I'll give you the kid dad's version. Uh, so started managing apartment complexes when I was 19 years old. I was fascinated with real estate. Uh, that was the first opportunity I had to get into the industry. Uh, managed apartment complexes back in, in uh, East Lansing, Michigan for about a year and a half, two years. Moved to Colorado in my early 20s, kept managing complexes. And then when I was 23, I got my broker's license and I started working for a gentleman that represented uh, large retailers, Walmart, Wendy's, Blockbuster, stuff like that. And that's how I got into brokerage and then uh, went on to work for one of the largest uh, firms of the country, a publicly traded group that's international. And uh, just over a handful of years, I was doing deals uh, anywhere I could. I was doing uh, office, retail, industrial, land. And I just started doing more and more healthcare deals. They just started popping up on my radar. And uh, after a few years of, of kind of dabbling in healthcare, I saw a really obvious trend. And that was healthcare providers that didn't have professional representation were getting manhandled in these negotiations. I had a number of buildings where I was the landlord's agent and these were large publicly traded medical REITs that own these, these, uh, these properties, you know, hospital campus type properties. And these physicians and dentists and veterinarians would show up to these properties and they were, they were excellent clinically. They had you know, great people skills. They were nice to work with, 
but they had no idea what they were doing. And I had a, I had a couple deals specifically where the landlords that I worked for said, you give them this offer, tell them this lease rate, you know, say this to them, do this to them. And it was just obvious these guys were getting, you know, mugged in a, in a dark alley. They had no clue what they were doing. And I mean, the, the terms these guys were agreed to were literally hundreds of thousands of dollars more expensive than other deals that were happening at the same property when, when savvy tenants showed up with representation. And so I had a couple of those deals and I just did not like the way that that felt. And so I literally made a decision one day. I said, I'm going only to the tenant and buyer side and I'm going to only do healthcare. These guys need some help. I enjoyed working with them. And so literally, I just, I flipped the switch on. I gave up all my listings. I had about a million square feet of listings. I had dozens of, of properties and I went from being a generalist of, again, industrial land, investment, retail, everything you can, you, if it moved, I chased it. And I went <laughs> just to that healthcare side and I went just to the doctor side and I launched car back in 09 and we've been cranking ever since. Oh, dang. You launched in 09? Like when yeah. everything was? Yeah. Because, I mean, mm -hmm. again, and that's the testimony to the industry of healthcare. I mean, you know, stock market might crash, you know, mortgage scandal, mortgage crisis happens, all these things happen. I mean, COVID last year, who knows if we're on the break of a world war. I mean, but here's the deal. If your tooth hurts, you need to go take care of business. If your kid needs braces, like you're going to find a way to make it happen. And, you know, healthcare is not going to stop. It, it, it might get disrupted here and there, but you're not going to remove the healthcare industry. And you're not taking the healthcare industry online. That's a question we get all the time is, are you concerned about e-health? Like, no, I think e-health's fantastic. If I can talk to a doctor over the, over the phone or online for a minute, great. But here's the deal. You can't remove, remove your tonsils online. You know, you can't have a dermatology procedure online. You're not delivering a baby online. Like, it's just, it's, it's not happening. So you're not, you're not cleaning my teeth online. So that's true. Yeah, you can only like diagnose or your best. You can do your best to diagnose something, but. Oh, man, so many questions. So 19 apartment, do you still have those or no? No, they weren't mine. I, I, was, I was helping a gentleman manage those. So I have a gentleman that owned a bunch of apartments and that was my entrance into real estate is, you know, learn, yeah. learn the ropes, get down and dirty with some, some, uh, some decent ones and some nasty ones too. That's a good place to learn. I'm curious, just like out of my own curiosity, do you have, how much do you have like of your own property? Um, I have, uh, I have some investment property, not a ton. I see real estate constantly, but I, I made a conscious decision early on that I would touch any commercial properties that could be a fit for my clients. I didn't want to have a conflict of interest. And so I stayed away from anything. So some, some other investment stuff that I do, um, some residential stuff, some, some, some commercial stuff, but, um, yeah, not, I'm not a, a real estate mogul, so to speak. I just, I'm a transactor, if you will. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. So when you started noticing these uh, deals happening, right, in the healthcare, you said you were like, they were being mugged, right? Like they were, terms they were agreeing to was ridiculous. Yeah. What were some of those terms? What are bad terms right now? If you can give us like specific almost uh, scenarios. So if somebody's listening, they're like, holy crap, I got that. I got that term. <laughs> yeah. So I can talk, I'll talk about a couple of the deals because they're, they're etched in my mind permanently because I, I remember them very clearly. I remember the phone calls with the landlords and they were talking to the doctors. Um, the actual lease rate, that's hard to say. I mean, because you, you could be, you could be in, uh, you know, a portion of Tulsa, Oklahoma doing a lease deal at $18 a square foot. And that could be a high lease rate there. Or you could be downtown Miami doing a deal for $118 a square foot. And that could be competitive compared to other options you have. So the price per square foot changes in almost every market. 
Um, but I'll give you an example. You know, we were we were working on a deal with, uh, with a plastic surgeon. He had been in the building for a number of years, like 10, 15 years. And his lease is coming up for renewal. And I was talking to an asset manager out of Scottsdale where the landlord was office. And the asset manager asked me, he said, does the doctor uh, have a broker? And I said, no, I, I met with him personally last week. He said, does he know the market? I said, no. I asked him if he's been out there to look at any properties. He said, no. And he said, do you think he's willing to move? And I said, no. He told me he, he's really tight financially and he, he, doesn't, he doesn't have the cash flow to make it happen. He was paying $27 a square foot. And the landlord says to me, uh, go back to him at $29 a square foot. And so I said, well, just on the same page, we're marketing vacant space in the building at $24 a square foot. He's already paying 27. He's already $3 a square foot above. He's already paying 10, $12,000 per year above what we're marketing to a new tenant. And that's, that's the face rate. We probably even go lower than that. And I said, so you want to not only keep more, that you want to bump him a couple of dollars a square foot? He goes, yes. And I said, all right, well, how much free rent do you want to give him? He's like, none, no free rent. I said, how much TI allowance, tenant improvement allowance do you want to give him? He said, none. And I said, look, look, sir, uh, <laughs> I said, that's, you know, I, I, get, I get the idea of making as much as you possibly can, but we're, we're kind of crossing the line where we, this guy is, this guy's already tight financially. If he had representation, there's no way you would even think of proposing these terms. And he says to me, he literally says, either get it done or I'll find another broker who will. Just matter of fact. And so, um, and then, so go back to the guy and we, you know, do a new lease to this guy and he's overpaying now by like five, six dollars a square foot and gets no free rent, no TI allowance, nothing. And he doesn't know the better. So, uh, and then, and then fast forward a few weeks later, person shows up to the building. They are represented professionally and we do a deal of $24 a square foot with a huge free rent package and a huge tenant approval allowance package. And it's just, you know, landlords look at it like this, like, look, if you're going to get in the ring, if you're going to get in the cage, like you understand the rules of engagement. And if you don't, if you don't come in prepared, you, you don't come in trained, if someone tries to knock you out, like, don't be surprised by it. And they're not trying, I mean, a lot of these guys, are, they're not jerks. They're just, it's just matter of fact. And so every time I tell the story, people's response usually is like, dang, man, these guys are getting taken advantage of. That's crazy. But I always like to flip this script and, and, and turn this around. If you were going to sell your house and your house was worth $500,000, but your broker told you, hey, listen, Michael, we could probably get 650. And you say, how is that possible? You say, look, there's a people, a couple of people in the neighborhood that aren't represented. They're calling on properties themselves. I've talked to two of them. They have no idea what they're doing. And they, they told me that their budget's 650 to seven. I think they'd probably pay it. Your response would be, listen, if you can sell my $500,000 house for 650 and, and we're going to get a closing, like have at it. And you would take the 650 and, and you're not a bad guy. So it's the same thing with landlords they're going to get as much as they possibly can. And they're going to assume that if you don't have representation, that was a conscious decision that you think you know better. And it's, it, listen, you get in the ring, man, they're going to throw some hard punches. And that's just how the game's played. Yeah. So that's why, because I've heard a lot of people say like, oh, I didn't even find a broker. I didn't even need one. Like I didn't even need a broker. I just found my location and I did the deal and it was great. Yeah. And yeah. maybe they did their own research, I'm guessing. Like, are they, I've, I've noticed in some of the Facebook groups, like they'll ask questions and people will, you know, give them a response. But it makes you kind of think how much better could your negotiation have gone or at least nego or terms, right? Yeah. Could be with a broker. So, so what, let me, let me make a point on that one. Uh -huh. Here's the question that I would ask that guy here. Is your objective to get a deal closed? Or is your objective to get the most competitive terms possible and in doing so probably save a hundred, two hundred, three hundred thousand dollars? 
because real, realistically, this is not demeaning people, but you know, I, I have a 10 year old daughter, I have a 13 year old son, like they could drive around in my car and they could, they could call a sign and ask them what size space they have available. Like they could go to a search engine and type in, you know, a database and find properties and then email that person and then go get a showing set up. Like, like that's not, that's not the moneymaker. Like, yes, we do find properties that are not in the market. We do help evaluate properties. We have a whole site selection due diligence. That's part of the process. No question that quote space finding, <laughs> but the real, the real service is provided in the actual negotiation. It's, it, it's how much better of a deal could we have, uh, have achieved? And here's the rowdy. If you have to borrow an extra $100,000 because you didn't get the right tenant improvement allowance and you're going to pay interest on that over the next 10, 15 years, you know, you just lost $150,000. If, if you're overpaying on your lease rate by, let's say, 2 or $3 per square foot and you're in, you're in 3,000 square feet, you just lost seventy five dollars to $100,000 over the next 10 years. And again, you, you, you just keep on going. What if you don't get the right free rent package? What if you get two months of free rent, you could have got four or five, you just lost another $25,000. And so you start going through all these different evaluations and it's like, listen, you can lose a hundred, two hundred, three hundred thousand dollars like that in real estate, especially commercial real estate, because there's so many things like, what about your annual increases? You know, what about, you know, what about uh, operating expenses? Who's paying utilities? Who's paying janitorial? Who's paying for capital improvements? And there's all these different things that are negotiable. And so, you know, it, it, it's, not, it's not rocket science, all right? But there is a strategy to it. And it, there is a very specific way you can either win or lose. And a lot of doctors are saying, all right, if I can just get a, get a location selected and I can get a deal done, like that's the victory. It's like, that's not the victory. Like, yes, you accomplish something. The victory would have been getting that same property you would have gotten anyways, but saving $300,000, then you get a victory. Yeah, because I feel like some people are so obsessed with the location that they're like, I got to do whatever it takes to get it. Then they're in it. And then they're like, holy crap. I am, I'm, uh, I'm not even, I haven't even broken even yet because of rent. You know what I mean? Like, and construction has been delayed. I'm already, my free rent is already gone. All these yeah. things happen. Yeah. So to you, what have you seen like the most, the top, the biggest mistakes that people have been making when it comes to like negotiating or, or, or negotiating their office space? Top mistake that we find when people negotiate, number one, it's the do-it-yourself mentality. That it's the doctor or the office manager saying, well, you know, I, I did a lease for one of our spaces 10 years ago, or, you know, I've got friends that have done this and they told me how to do it. Like, that's a hilarious line. That's like a patient being like, yeah, no, I have a friend who had their tooth removed. Like, how hard can it be? Like, Tom Hanks showed me how to do it, you know, with a nice skate to rock. Like, it can't be that hard, right? <laughs> yeah. So the, the do-it-yourself mentality, that's, that's laced with, with, with minds of videos completely blown up. So that's number one. The next one is people select a property, they fall in love with it, and then they only negotiate on one property. And this is a difference between residential and commercial real estate. In residential, you, you take this approach. You go out there, look at properties, or you're online, all the different search engines, and you're finding the property. And then when you find it, you submit a single offer in a contract. And if the seller accepts and signs it, you're locked and loaded. You're under contract. It's a legally binding document. Now you have the right to terminate it, but you're, you're typically locked and loaded and you proceed in good faith and then you're done. Commercial real estate is different. Commercial real estate, the, the savvy companies, the Fortune 500, the top retailers, all these guys, they go to market and they look at, they look at eight or 10 properties that might be a fit. Now, some markets, like let's say you're in Orange County, you might only have three properties to consider. You might be in Kansas City and you might have 15 properties to consider. So every market's different, but you go to market, you look at the top, let's say seven, eight, 10 properties, and then you whittle down to the top three, four, or five. And then the savvy companies, they will negotiate on a non-binding basis. So it's not a binding contract. 
it's, it's you trade paper back and forth, non-binding, and, and you might go three or four rounds of negotiations with three or four different landlords. That's the only way you're going to get to the place where you know for a fact if you receive the most favorable terms possible. If I take one property and I just fall in love and I submit an offer and that landlord or that listing broker doesn't believe that I have other options, they're not going to give me the most favorable terms. I mean, this is a guy shows up to a car dealership and says, I have to go home with that car tonight. I have to get that car. What's the best you're going to do for me? The sales rep's going to say, I don't know, 3000 above sticker. Like, yeah, yeah. They're, they're not going to do it before you. Like, yeah. you know, would you throw in an air fresh? You're like, ah, maybe, but probably not if you have to go home with that car. Yeah. So the, the flip side is you're talking to three or four or five landlords and you're going back and forth and you're negotiating simultaneously and you're saying, listen, you guys, your lease rate's competitive, but you guys are way low when it comes to free rent or tenant improvement allowance. Mm-hmm. And we got three other landlords over here want to do this, this, and this. If you guys want to stay in the game, you're going to have to get more competitive. And so you get these landlords that start competing against each other. And at the end of the day, you're going to get the best terms possible. But I'll tell you this, even more importantly, you're going to know that you got the best terms possible. That's the peace of mind factor is you're not going to wonder over the next 10 years, did you leave 300000 on the table because you jumped the gun or got excited? You're going to choose the property. You're going to choose the terms. You're going to sign the lease or, or buy the building. And you're going to say to yourself, I got the best terms at the best property to fit my requirement. And I'm, I'm locked and loaded for the next 10 years. And that's the peace of mind that you're looking for when you're doing a multi-million dollar transaction. I like that. So is that best to, for example, I mean, I'm sure you've experienced this before where they're like, we're negotiating with seven, but Colin, my favorite is that one. Number three, like I want that one. Yeah. Is it best for the doctor to just only tell the broker that and that's it? And then the broker handles it? Or like, you know, the landlord like, hey man, this is my favorite one. Can you do something? No, you tell the landlord that and, and you tell the landlord that you're going to get punished. Again, I mean, this is, like, this is the equivalent of somebody flip, flip the script. Or let me, let me say this, TV, TV timeout, okay? <laughs> you, you tell the landlord that you have to have this property and you think that just if you being honest, it opens and it gets you a discount you're going to pay more than you've ever imagined before. If somebody showed up to your house and said, hey, listen, Michael, I have to have your house. What's the best deal you're going to give me? I'm walking out here today with a contract for your house. Again, what is your motivation to say, you know what? I'm just going to arbitrarily give you $50,000 off because you asked me. I could have gotten $50,000 more, (laughs) but because you asked me in earnest, here you go. Here's $50,000 out of my pocket, out of my next check when I sell. You're not going to do that. So these, these doctors, that's, that is, that's my third or fourth mistake, by the way. Mm-hmm. Doctors or office managers go up to landlords or listing brokers or property managers and they say, I'm just going to shoot straight with this guy yeah. or this lady or this asset manager. And they do it. And then the, the, the landlord or the listing broker, they patronize that person. And they say, you know what? Because you shot a straight or because you're so sincere, we're going to give you a really good deal. Because you're not looking at any other properties, we're going to do you right. Because you don't have a broker, we're going to give you an even better deal. And then the, the, the doctor says, oh, man, this worked out. This guy, li- I trust this guy. And that person's laughing all the way to the bank. And they'll give you some bogus deal. Like, you know, normally we're at $28 a square foot. We're going to do you at 26. And yet the guy, the guy that just signed a lease four months early did it at 24. Yeah. And so it's just, it's just this big game of, can I convince the doctor that I'm on their side, even though I'm not, if I'm the landlord or the listing broker? Can I make them feel like they're getting a discount? I'll tell them it's a discount. They have no way to gauge it. And then eventually they're going to do whatever I want them to do. And then they're going to lose a couple hundred thousand dollars and not even know it. That's the game. I, I played it on both sides. I've not been on the landlord side of that for, for over 13, 14 years now, but 
I, I know how the game's played, that that's how the game's played. Yeah. Okay, got you. That's interesting. So then those would be the top mistakes right there then, pretty much, right? Yeah, I mean, there's, I, I keep on going. I mean, but that's, that's, that's three big ones. I, I'll give you one more. Very common, very similar. Doctors get ready to renew a lease or, or um, submit an offer. And they go and they ask other doctors that they're friends with, colleagues, peers, hey, what are you paying in your space? Or what did you get last time? And a doctor tells them, and then they, they go off that being a market number. And the reality is that doctor didn't have good representation and overpaid as well. And so now they're benchmarking what they think is a fair deal based upon a doctor who got a really bad deal. So yeah. asking your colleague or peer, hey, you know, what'd you pay or what are you getting? Sure, like that's not a bad question to ask, but if, if you don't have other outside indicators, that's not the that's not the that's, that's not the numbers you want to take the negotiation table. Oh man, Colin, that happens way too often. Where we like, I'll ask everybody else, like, what are you paying? Right. So then, and you know what? Here's the thing: sometimes we ask, and then there's like, oh, you went with that person. I've seen them around. They they look like a good broke. How do we know if they're good? You know what I mean, like a good broker, or if they're not. That's a great question. Uh, first and foremost, I, I would say this. If you're getting ready to do a real estate transaction, ask around in the community, you know, ask, ask the top lenders, ask the top architects, the top equipment suppliers, ask the top marketing companies, consultants, whoever you're talking to, you say, hey man, who, who do you like work with? Who do you, who do you know that specializes in helping healthcare providers maximize every opportunity? That's a great way. And then you start getting a name or names. And then as a doctor, you sit down with that person. Like again, doctors will say, I'm so busy. I don't have time to do this. You're telling me you're so busy that you're willing to lose a couple hundred thousand dollars because you can't take 15, 20 minutes to interview a broker, either, either over the phone or in person. Like you're not charging $200,000 for every 15 minute block. Like you can take 15 minutes to make sure that you don't lose a ton of money. Right. Mm -hmm. And then when you do that, just ask the broker, say, listen, what's your game plan to help make sure that I, I capitalize on my deal? What's your game plan to make sure that I'm taken care of? How do I know that you have my interests first over someone else's and, and, and you give you your game plan? And that, that broker, that agent is going to tell you what they want to do, how they want to help you. And like a lot of things, you're going to know quickly, either I like this person, I like what they're saying, I like their game plan, or, you know, I, I'm going to, I'm going to go to the next person. If you're not convinced the person you talk to has your best interest in mind or is the best, most qualified person, then move on to the next one. I tell doctors all the time, listen, if it's not car, if it's not us, make sure it's someone. It's never the dentist. Listen, if the dentist is to say to the patient, look, if I'm not your dentist, still go to another dentist. Like don't not go to a dentist if I'm not your dentist. Like your, your teeth are too important. Same thing, real estate transactions, they're too, they're too important. Don't just live across the finish line on a deal. Have an expert, have someone who's gonna protect your interests and find someone you trust. And if you find that person, then give them a shot. Yeah, I like that. There's nothing really based off of price, right? Like, oh, maybe they're pretty good because of how much they charge or anything like that or not? No, because that's the beauty of commercial real estate. Commissions in commercial real estate are paid by the landlord or seller, just like in residential real estate. So if you go to sell your house, you have a listing agent and you have a commission agreement and it's built for two brokers. It's built for the listing broker, your, your broker, and it's built for the buyer's broker. If the buyer's broker, uh, or sorry, if the buyer shows up with a broker, the listing agent, your broker gets a double commission. Same thing in commercial real estate. If you're a doctor and you show up to a property or you're doing a lease renewal and you show up by yourself, the listing agent gets a double commission or the landlord just pockets that money. They're not going to give it back to you. They don't pay commissions to unlicensed tenants. That, does, that doesn't happen. So if you're a doctor and you say, you know what? I'm going to save some money today. I'm going to go do my own real estate transaction. 
The problem is you're not on the selling side. If you are the selling side, you could decide to do a for sale by owner or a for lease by owner and only pay one commission to the outside, but you're not determining commissions as a buyer or a tenant, the landlord or the seller is. So a lot of doctors show up to properties or call on properties and say, I'm going to do it all by myself and I'm going to save money. Again, the landlord's laughing all the way to the bank. The listing broker gets a double commission. So landlord gets a way better deal because you don't know what you're doing. Listing broker gets a double commission. They get paid twice. And then meanwhile, you think you saved money and you just lost a ton of money. So you just wasted 40 hours of your time. You expose yourself to complications, pitfalls, delays. You don't have the peace of mind that you've got the right property or the right team assembled for the transaction. And then the money that would have paid your broker went into the opposing broker's bank account. No, uh, no fees being paid to a broker as a tenant or buyer. It's 100% free service to them. Do you see this happening a lot, Colin? Or no? Yeah, every day, man. Really? That's why I started the company. <laughs> I mean, I, 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 did, I did a significant number of deals with doctors that had no representation. And again, I just, I just, they just kept showing up to these properties and I just kept watching these guys, again, get manhandled. They had no clue what was going on. And they were nice people. They were, they were very intelligent people. Academically, I assume clinically, uh, you know, you look at their websites, you, you read the reviews, they you know, have very healthy practices, looked at their financials, they were doing well, but they just kept this, they kept taking this do-it-yourself appro- do approach. So, yeah, I mean, that's, that's why we started CAR. I, I started flipping over. I started doing a bunch of tenant work. I started working for a bunch of doctors on their behalf. And I started showing them how much money we we're saving them and, and how much time and the peace of mind. And I was educating them. And the response was unbelievable. Like these guys were so thankful and so appreciative that someone actually took them by the hand and protected them uh, that they start telling all their friends and colleagues. And all of a sudden I went from having a few healthcare providers to having literally a couple of dozen doctors that I was doing work for because these guys needed the help. Yeah. Yeah. When you, as we're talking, you've been mentioning like the landlords are laughing all the way to the bank. And so are, it kind of almost seems like the landlords are a little bit the bad guys sometimes, right? Or a lot of the times. So. What do you think we should, I mean, like just in general, I think if I had a really good lease happening, but the landlord sucked, like Colin, you were to call and be like, man, I, I did everything I could. And these are the terms. And then I'm like, oh man, I appreciate it. But your landlord sucks. What do we do in that scenario? So first of all, it would not be my landlord because I wouldn't be working for the landlord. I'm, I'm, I'm only going to be on the doctor's side. <laughs> but for argument's sake, this is what I'd tell you. I'd say, listen, landlords buy and sell properties all the time. You could have the best landlord in the world and he or she might sell that property tomorrow and you get the worst landlord in the world. The key is, is this the right property for you? Number one, is this where you want to have your practice for the next 10, 15, 20 years? Uh, number one. Number two, who is the property manager? Because we're not going to be dealing with the landlord during most issues. We're going to be dealing with the property manager and asset manager. So we could have a really tough landlord, but they could have a very good management company. Let's go interview the management company to see what we're working with there. That's a whole different story. Number three, I would go and talk to other tenants then. And I'd say, hey, listen, what's your experience been with this landlord group? Because again, you might have a tough landlord who's dealing with the negotiations, but you never see them ever again. And so let's talk to other tenants in the building. What's your experience been? And see what they have to say. And then last, it's, it, it's going to come down to the money. If you've, got a, if you've got the terms that fit your practice and the location that fits your practice and it's properly managed, mm-hmm. we don't care if the landlord is sending us a Christmas card or, you know, or a basket on our birthday. Like that's... Push that stuff aside. We've got to get the best location with the best terms possible for the practice. And then um, the, I guess the last thing I'll say is that's why you have a good lease agreement. And that's why you have a good real estate attorney. Because again, right. the, best, the best 
landlord in the world sells the property after you already leased it to a bad landlord or vice versa, the, the governing document's going to be the lease agreement. We've got to have a really good lease. It's got to be reviewed by a real estate attorney, okay? Yeah. Not, not your brother-in-law's cousin, sister's nephew who does family law in Iowa. Like, I get that he's an attorney. That's not what we're talking about. I need a real estate attorney that reads real estate contracts, you know, every single day of the week. That's the person I need to review my lease. And if they say, hey, listen, this is the best lease we're going to get. This, this is the fair lease. Let's move forward. I'm going to look past personalities. Do you, do you guys provide with the real estate attorney or no? Um, so we will recommend real estate attorneys that you can work with. We don't have, it, we don't have attorneys that, that work for our clients. Our company, we have in-house counsel for ourselves uh, because we work in 40 some different states. But yeah, every doctor needs to have a good real estate attorney. And some attorneys do real estate on the side and they work on maybe just practice sales or transition. That's great. But you want to get a good attorney that understands real estate. Some attorneys are employment law attorneys and they understand how to, how to draft contracts with associates and staff, but they don't do real estate. You need to get a real estate attorney because it's a real estate document. And a good real estate attorney, by the way, is not going to try to create an employment agreement with you and associate. They're going to say, I don't do employment law. So you get, you get just, like de- just like dentistry is very niche. So again, you got a perio and an endo and a prosto, et cetera. They're all very different. Mm-hmm. It's say that in law, you can have a generalist attorney that does everything, but typically it's, I have an employment attorney. I have a transition attorney. I have a real estate attorney. And then a bit, occasionally you get guys that are really good at all those, but you want to make sure you ask those questions. How many real estate documents are you reviewing on an annual basis for your clients? And if it's, if it's a high number and, and you can talk to those people and they give good feedback, all good. But if it's, you know, I, I do a real estate contract once or twice a year, keep yeah. that attorney for whatever else you want them for, but get a good real estate attorney and a good real estate broker will get you in touch with one, two or three good real estate attorneys and you can interview them. Yeah. Cause where could the mess up happen there? Like, let's just say the negotiation went well. Now it's time for the lease attorney and then something, oopsies. Like what have you seen where it's like, oh man, that this is why you needed a really good lease attorney. Happens, happens all the time. So, uh, Real estate broker negotiates a phenomenal deal with the landlord. Um, the lease document comes over. The lease language is a little bit ambiguous. The attorney doesn't catch it, doesn't, doesn't draft the right language or correct the language. And all of a sudden, you negotiated six months free for build out and then six months free upon opening. So six months free to build out the space and get the architects, the contractors in there, equipment suppliers, get it all polished up. And then once you're ready to open, then you get another six months free upon opening. And the landlord, finagles that lease and then changes the language. And so it says six months twice, but it was referring to the same period. So they get six months free to build, but they get no free rent once they open. We see landlords pull that stuff all the time where they finagle the language. Or here's one for you. You get a tenant improvement allowance, right? Where they, where they pay a portion of the renovation of the build out. Well, they can pay that on the gross square footage or they can pay it on the usable square footage. Like if you measure the inside of the, of the walls, not the outside of the building, but the inside of the walls, well, that could be a 20% difference. And so you get landlords that'll say, I'll give you a tenant improvement allowance based upon the gross square footage. And then they'll change language to the usable square footage in the lease. Or they'll use ambiguous language where it becomes hard to figure it out. So you need a good real estate attorney to take the terms that were agreed upon in the letter of intent or the request for proposal that your real estate broker negotiated. And then the, the real estate attorney needs to make sure that what was negotiated makes its way into the lease agreement. Yeah, man. So that's really fishy, man, because like it, you guys would negotiate the right terms. 
And then the landlord's like, well, let's just kind of, you know what I mean? Add another synonym yep. and then add some different words. And then that's where, that's where the real estate uh, attorney kind of comes in. Now, I wanted to ask you, because this happens so many times, Colin. Does CAR provide, not like a guarantee, but kind of like a thing where it's like, hey, yeah, you, you get, you know, your six months free rent throughout the build out. But, you know, there's delays. And then at the same time, six months or some type of months for free once you're open. Do you guys do that or no? It's, it, we, it's like too much predictions right there. No, we, we negotiate that for sure. We're going to go for free rent during build-out. You never want to pay rent during build-out. If you're yeah. paying for a build-out and you're not seeing patients, you're paying rent, you're not in the best position possible. If you agree to that one, it, it had to have been because you had to have that space and you just understand that's a cost to transact there. It's kind of like houses. You might go to a house, they say, hey, this is a million-dollar house. Well, there's four other buyers. If you want it, you're going to have to pay a million too. And you might say, hey, listen, I'm willing to pay 200000 more because I've got to have this house. Now, you might choose that, but not unless you're forced to. So yeah, we negotiate those deals. We don't control if there's delays though. Once you lock in that lease, if your architect drops the ball, if your contractor drops the ball, if they don't order the doors in the right time, if the millwork person is delayed, if you can't get the equipment from the supplier because they're backed up supply chain for eight months versus six, the landlord's not going to give you more time or more money. You, you have to have to roll the punches there. So we try to anticipate those things. Like for instance, mm -hmm. if you're doing a deal right now and you call up one of the top millwork or equipment suppliers in the country, through one of their reps and you ask them, what's your lead time on this cabinetry or on this chair? They might tell you eight months. Well, you only have six months for build out. So you're going to have to sign that purchase contract on the equipment and order it potentially before you sign that lease. And now you're getting to a little like, ah, you know, which one do you want to do? Do you want to take a risk and order that equipment two months before you sign a lease and pray that the lease comes together, if not here somewhere else, and just realize that, that you're hoping it lines up? Or do you want to wait until you sign that lease and then you order that equipment and then your space gets finished at the six months and your equipment suppliers like, hey, guess what? Your chairs will be here in 60 days. And you're sitting there in a brand new space, fully built out with no cabinets or no chairs or no technology. And you're like, wow, this space is amazing. And yet I can't see a patient, but it sure looks nice. So moving pieces of the puzzle on this one here, su supply chain issues, uh, permitting issues, financing. And again, all of the reason why you want to have an excellent advisor quarterbacking the deal for you, telling you, hey, listen, we got to hurry up here. We're, we're behind over here. Pause right there. We need to catch up over here. That's what a good expert real estate advisor should be doing for you. Got you. I like that. Okay, so really quick, let's just say somebody's already done this. They've done the lease and everything like that, right? It wasn't the best, obviously. Their lease renewal is coming up. What can we do now on the renewal? Number one opportunity for a doctor to make up uh, some ground from their past lease is the lease renewal. It's the number one place where, where doctors can catch back up again or, or really capitalize. It's also the number one transaction where doctors lose more than ever before, right? So it's both huge opportunity. It's also the opportunity where the doctors lose the most. And here's why. The easiest thing possible when you're a doctor and you're inside of a current space and you have a lease agreement and that, that seven years runs up or the 10 years runs up, and the landlord just slides a piece of paper across the desk and says, hey, listen, your lease is up. We'd love to have you stay here. You know, we're going to give you a good deal. Okay. And then you're the doctor. And you're like, listen, the space has been really good to me. I like it here. The landlord's been good enough. And I don't have time to move. I don't have the money to move. I don't want to tell my patients I'm moving. I've got other things to deal with on the marketing side. 
and they just go ahead and sign that lease agreement and they just lost 100, 200 grand like that. So if you're dealing with the lease renewal, the game plan's simple. Hire, a, hire an expert real estate agent that's only gonna represent your interests, okay? That broker or that agent will go to the market and find all the comps, all the comparables, figure out what it would look like if you wanted to buy your own real estate, if you wanted to relocate and go across the street or down the street or down, down, you know, down into a different part of the market, what does that look like? And then once they're armed with that information, now they're in a place where they can negotiate intelligently with your landlord. Because if you're a doctor and you're in a space and you've been there for 10 years and you just ask the landlord, well, if I want to stay, what's the best you could do for me? Again, that, that is a foolish statement. That tells the landlord, I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm willing to pay above market. I don't have extra representation uh, uh, leading me or advising me, and I don't have time to deal with this. So <laughs> now, please have mercy on me. <laughs> They're not. And then, so you, you're going to get manhandled. So long answer to a short question. If you have a lease renewal coming up, you have a huge opportunity to capitalize. You've got to start at least 12 months in advance. Don't wait until you're two months out because the landlord knows you're not going to move at that point. But hire an expert advisor, do it 12 months in advance, learn the market and figure out what else is out there. And then when you negotiate with your current landlord, you're negotiating factually, not just just some shot in the dark or just a bluff or a bag of, please, please give me a better lease rate. Much better game plan. Gosh, yeah, because I feel like I'm trying to put myself in the landlord's shoes and maybe they might be like, well, you know, like, let's just say Dr. Dr. Carr, right? Like Dr. Carr, man, there's inflation. There's a lot of things happening. We're going to have to bump it up. This is, this is what we need to do. You know what I mean? I feel like a lot of excuses can be thrown out in this scenario. You know what I mean? And that, that's where it becomes factual. It becomes, well, prior to me talking to you, you know, Mr. Landlord, we've already gone to the market. I've got three other lease options teed up ready to go. And you're telling me the lease rate is going to be 35 a square foot. And we got all three of the other landlords say it's only 30 a square foot. And you're telling me no free rent, but I got free rent offers over here of this, this, and this. And you're telling me that you're going to give me $5 a square foot for some paint and that's it. When I can get $35 or $40 a square foot for these landlords over here, ten, they'll, give me, they'll give me 10 times the amount of money. So here's the deal. I'm willing to consider and entertain a lease renewal with you, but I'm not going to overpay by $300,000. And if you'd rather have the space go vacant and then give the next guy the deal that I'm willing to give you right now, that's up to you. If you want a space to go vacant, to sit vacant for six, 12 or 18 months because you want to get some phantom lease rate that no one's going to pay you, that's your prerogative. But um, I'm, not, I'm not one to overpay by $300,000. And again, you start negotiating factually, it's a different story. If, if, you're, if you're selling me a car and you want $50,000 for that car and I can buy the same car down the street for $40,000 from two other dealerships, I'm not paying that. Like, I'm going to say, hey, listen, best of luck to you. I'm going down the street. And you've got to create that posture with landlords. And that's why you can't tell a landlord, I can't move. I don't want to move. You know, what's the best you'll give me? You, you can't say stuff like that to a landlord because they're, they're, they're going to they're gonna come at you. You get cordially, respectfully, very savvy, but they're going to they're gonna play you. And yeah. you can't say that to a landlord. Gotcha, man. Yeah, because sometimes you grow a relationship with them, you know, and they're like, oh, they're doing my good and everything like that. And then that that comes up and you're like, Oh man, that, so I would want you to like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Tell him like, like that. Cause if it was me, I'd be like, can you please do this? And then they're like, no, you know? And then that's it. No, you stop. You know what they tell you? They'd say, you know, Michael, normally, normally I wouldn't do this for you, but because you've been such a good tenant, I'm going to, shouldn't be doing this, but you know what? I'm going to, I've never done this. I've never done this for any other tenant before. Yeah. Ever, so I'm going to give you, you know what? If, if my husband knew I was doing this, he'd kill me. If my wife knew it, if my property manager, you know, they're going to give you these lines and they're going to say this stuff. 
And then you're going to be like, man, you're going to go home and you're going to be like, man, I crushed this negotiation. And the landlord is laughing at me like, man, this is, this is worse than like, like sixth grade, like <laughs> acting class right now. Okay. This is like, a, this is performing arts for a sixth grader. Like this guy does not know what he's doing. So you have to realize it, it, it's a game of, of money. If you negotiate with the landlord and you cut their lease rate and you cut their free rent or whatever, and, and the total savings to you are $100,000, $200,000, who in their right mind is going to scratch a check to somebody for $100,000, $200,000 because they asked them for a favor? Look at this question. Think of everyone that you are close friends with, close friends, close family, relatives, et cetera. How many people do you know in your life that if you ask them for a $200,000 check, would give you a two hundred thousand dollar check. It's going to be a it's, it's going to be a small number. Yeah. And then you take a landlord just because the landlord's nice to you, or because they give you a gift card at Christmas, or they send you an Omaha steak, right? I mean, like, <laughs> you think that this person is they are a a friend to you, a friend to you for a business purpose only. It is a utility relationship. And again, this is not the hey, I need two hundred thousand dollars because I'm in a crisis. That's a true friend. Okay. Yeah. The, the guy that wouldn't give you, the landlord's not going to give you $10 if you ask him for it. So again, I'm, I'm mixing it up here for just a perspective. You got to realize, man, you're, you're in a multi-million dollar negotiation. You take the value of that lease, plus the operating expenses, plus the utilities, plus the janitorial services, plus the, the, the build out and the loan on your stuff, the interest, all the staff that you pay to, to occupy and serve in that space, all the insurance reimbursements, all the money, the marketing. And you got a multi-million dollar transaction. And if you're taking the do-it-yourself approach, asking the landlord to do you a solid, you're in bad shape. We always joke, it's like, man, listen, uh, it's Napoleon Dynamite getting in the ring with Mike Tyson. Okay, like, just, <laughs> like Mike, Mike's not going to take it easy on you, man. Like, he's, he's going to hurt you, right? Yeah, yeah, I love he'll that. Smile, he'll smile at you first, man. He'll think it's cute. Yeah. You know, he'll, he'll, and he might make you think you're doing a good job for a second and you're going to end up on the floor. Yeah, definitely. Awesome, Colin. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for your time. If anybody has any questions or concerns, uh, where can they find you? Best way to get a hold of us is our website. It's car.us, C-A-R-R.us. Upper right-hand corner of our website, you can click to find an agent in your market or your area. You can click to get a free lease evaluation. Um, you can click educational resources to get literally access to hundreds of FAQs, glossary, uh, educational videos. So if you want to get educated, if you want to get an understanding of where your lease compares to the market, or if you want to purchase what it would cost to purchase, what the numbers look like, we got more resources than you could possibly imagine. Uh, but the best thing you can do is get in touch with an agent and let them start the process of helping you figure out how you could capitalize on the next transaction. How many agents do you guys have? Uh, we are 160. How about you? Man. 2009. Look at you now, man. Yeah. Look at you now. We're having fun, man. I know. That's awesome. So, Guys, that's all going to be in the show notes below. Feel free to reach out to Colin. And Colin, thank you so much for being with us. It was a pleasure. And we'll hear from you soon, bud. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in into the episode. And Colin, thank you so much for being a part of it. Guys, if you have any questions for Colin, make sure you go in the show notes below and reach out to him. Or you can just join the Dental Marketer Society Facebook. It's going to be that link is going to be in the show notes below. In there, we talk about uh, all the episodes. We talk with the guests and so much more. We also have like little book club things where we share as much... Um, you know, whatever book we're reading that month, we all kind of talk about it and, and a little bit of a mastermind together. So if you are interested in all that, then definitely go on the show notes below and uh, go join the Dental Marketer Society Facebook group. And don't forget, if you have ever been curious about switching to a cloud-based practice management software, try CareStack for free, guys. 
check this out. If you currently have Dentrix, EagleSoft, PracticeWorks, or SoftDent, right? They all let you do scheduling, treatment planning, billing and collections, appointment reminders. But CareStack allows you to do all that and online appointments, online forms, curbside check-in, reputation management so you get more reviews, contactless payments so they can even pay through text messages, even your, your patients, insurance verification, business analytics so you have the ability to create and monitor KPIs, and so much more. And get this, guys, it's not just the software. They provide you with training. And I'm not just talking about regular, like, oh, this is how you do the software. They, they provide you with that type of training too. But you're going to learn from how to engage millennial team members to decoding bundled insurance plans. I mean, CareStack provides you with resources, webinars, episodes from experts who will teach you how to better manage your team, market your practice, increase case acceptance, and so much more. And remember, CareStack is especially made for those who have or plan to have multiple practices. So instead of having to get EagleSoft for one practice and then EagleSoft for your second practice and etc., all you have to do is get CareStack just once and you have a cloud-based practice management software for all your locations. And this will decrease the overhead per office. It's going to ensure consistent performance, automate operational tasks, and improve the profitability of your group. So you'll be able to know what's happening in each practice whenever. So go to lp.carestack.org forward slash the dental marketer for a free 10 day trial. And you'll also get 10% off your annual subscription plus 50% off your setup fee. If you decide to go with them after the, the 10 day free trial. Again, that's lp.carestack.org forward slash the dental marketer or you can just go in the show notes below and it's going to be the first link in the show notes below check them out first test them and if you like it they will do all the data conversion and migration for you and since you are a listener they're also giving you 10% off your annual subscription plus 50% off your setup fee so make sure you use the link below all right guys thank you so much for supporting the podcast and i'll talk to you in the next episode